Good morning, good morning to all of those who are worshiping with us this morning. If you are watching on Facebook, YouTube, or if you're engaging with us in our live chat room, find on the found on the church website, welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage with you this morning. So real quick, we want to invite you to share this experience with others. So if you're watching on Facebook, share this to your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party we want to make sure that we all stay on the same chat stream also you can tag those that you want to invite to watch with you on youtube make sure you subscribe to our channel then text the link to worship service to your personal network and if you're in the chat room on our church website click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others the word of the Lord says that the name of the Lord may be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when peoples gather together and kingdoms to worship the Lord. We have gathered this morning to worship our God who is good. Come on, wherever you are, in your living room, in your car, even those you in the sanctuary, let's begin to worship our God because he's worthy, because he's awesome, because he's magnificent. We didn't get up this morning just to sit there and stand. No, we came to honor rejoice and we rejoice all the more this morning because we have someone who is ready to be baptized come on now church family the heavens rejoice when a soul is saved so we rejoice when someone is ready to join the family and so we are so excited this morning that we have little sister tucker who is going to be baptized in the name of jesus so before we usher in the rest of corporate worship let's usher in our new family member pastor let's give god praise for this wonderful opportunity as we prepare to baptize journey tucker seven years old she has confessed her faith in jesus christ as her lord and savior we're going to baptize her at this time and of course Certainly delighted to have our uh, chair of the deacon's ministry, Sister Dot Barnes, to join me in the water. Amen. So I'm going to ask if we could, um, between Scott and Nelson, let's play something appropriate as far as this baptism is concerned. And, of course, we wanted you as our church family to witness this moment. Thank you, Reverend Kelly Baptist, for opening us up. Let's sing something like Take Me to the Water. Christ as your Lord and Savior and your willingness to be baptized. We're going to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.
our praise. Let's have church. Hallelujah. There's nothing like adding to the family, especially young lives making good decisions. Amen. Let's all join together as we sing on one accord our Negro National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Come on, y'all know the words by now. If not, flip open your hymnals, Google it online. We are ready to worship. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring with the harmonies of liberty. Come on, y'all.
listening. We've been checking the chat streams and looking at all of the the voices that we can see online. And please let us know in the chat box where you are joining us in worship from this morning. We are so glad to have you here in worship. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm 40. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. The book of Psalms, chapter 40, we're going to start at verse 1. And feel free to stand up wherever you are in reverence to the word of God. Not if you're driving, though, just just if you're sitting. All right, Psalm 40, verse 1. And it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies many O lord my god are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order if i would declare and speak of them they are more than can be numbered the word of our god is already blessed we will be seated in the name of Jesus Christ. It is time to worship and honor and praise our God. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, how we thank you for the privilege of worship and coming into your presence with thanksgiving and entering into your courts with praise. God, we bless your name for a wonderful opportunity to shower on you such that you showered on us your goodness, your mercy, your faithfulness, and your kindness. God, we bless your name because you're worthy, because you're faithful, and we let nothing diminish our gratitude towards you. God, be pleased by our worship. Be free in our lives. Oh God, and look upon us with pleasure. We love you and we adore you. And as we worship your name, God, be glorified that the enemy may be horrified and the world might be changed. We love you. We adore you. And we offer our praise to you. It's in Jesus name that we all say amen, amen, and amen. Come on choir. Let us praise the Lord a little bit more in song.
together one more time for not just who God is, but also for Journey and her celebration of baptism this morning. Man, we praise God, Journey, for the great things that he is doing in your life and family. I know that you are excited and to celebrate with her and then experience this moment with her as well. You, wonderful, Journey, wonderful. 
this, uh, this, this, guys, is the part of our service where we'll, uh, we will do our impact moment. Um, uh, my name is Reverend Peyton C. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm the children and youth pastor here at St. Paul. And in this moment, it's, uh, it's a message for the kids, um, but also for the kids at heart. So I encourage not just the children and youth to tune into this time, but also their parents and even the adults, too, because God might teach us something this morning. Amen. Now, the title of this morning's message um, has to deal with the temptation of Jesus, which is something that we have been working through um, with our middle school and high school students. And I wanted to break down this uh, passage a little bit for us this morning. Now, the impact uh, moment title is when saying no isn't enough. When saying no isn't enough. Our memory verse comes from Matthew chapter four, verse four. And I will be reading from the New Living Translation, which says this. But Jesus told him, him being Satan, Jesus told Satan, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And our bottom line or the main point that I want us to get from this morning's message is this, say no to sin and say yes to Jesus. Guys, I I love fast food. I really do. One of my favorite places, favorite fast food places to go is McDonald's. Whenever I need to treat myself to a quarter pounder with cheese meal, a side of fries, and a large Sprite, I go to Mickey D's. I go to Mickey D's. Those fries, man, they're cooked to a nice, nice golden brown. Oof, <laughs> crunchy and salty. My mouth's watering just thinking about them, tell you the truth. They really are. Now that, now don't get me started on that quarter pounder burger either, man. That beef is prepared just right. Making the best combo of beef, American cheese, ketchup, mustard, onion, and pickles. That this world has to offer us. I hear you, George. I, tr- I really do. And I'll tell you what, it's all put between two sesame seed buns that really just, they bring it all together. And to wash it down, now get this, the sweet taste of that wonderful lemon-lime soda they call Sprite. That's what I bring to this meal. This is usually what I get. This is usually what I get when I go to McDonald's. So on my way to school that I go to every Tuesday, yes, you know, your, your youth pastor goes to school still. I stopped at the McDonald's located at the beginning of the road um, right before you go down to go towards my school. As I pulled up to the drive-thru, the sweet cashier lady, she asked me what I wanted. Now, normally, this choice would be pretty easy. I'd get my go-to, number two, quarter pounder with cheese meal, right? However, this time there was a catch. At the very beginning of February, uh, very beginning of this month, I decided to go on a gluten-free diet with uh, my fiance, Taylor. And being the awesome fiance that she is because she loves me so, so much, she decided to do this diet with me. Now, gluten is a protein that is found in most types of bread, pastas, and cereal, just to give you guys a brief explanation without getting into the complete science of it. Now, I have a diet issue or a stomach issue that makes gluten kind of affect me in a weird way. So gluten can make me feel weighed down and tired, and it can even affect my mood, guys. It can make me sad and a little irritable. Now, as I sat in that McDonald's drive-thru, I knew the decision that I had to make because of the diet that I was on. I couldn't have those wonderful sesame seed buns that normally hold my delicious quarter pounder together. I had to say no to that sesame seed bun. But I'll tell you what, guys, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say no to that sesame seed bun. Tempting thoughts started running through my head. But but Peyton, Taylor, Taylor wouldn't know you got this meal with the bun on it. She wouldn't know if you don't tell her. 
It's only one meal. You can still do the diet after lunch. Just break your rule this one time, this one time, Peyton. It wouldn't hurt a thing. In fact, it'll taste great. Man, these thoughts were killing me, guys. But you know what I did? I recognized that these thoughts were tempting me to do something that I shouldn't do. I said no to them, but I didn't just say no to these thoughts. I didn't stop there. Because next, I reminded myself of why I needed to say no and choose a better yes. Because when I said no to the bread, I was saying yes to my diet. And I was saying yes to a happier and to a healthier Peyton. Now, guys, this is how temptation often looks for us as Christians. A lot of times we know the right thing to do, but we fail to do it because we just say no and then we move on. However, saying no isn't enough. We have to say no to sin and we have to choose a better yes. We have to replace our tempting thoughts that want us to give in to sin by saying yes to Jesus and by saying yes to scripture, to the word of God and speaking it into our lives to overcome our temptation. Again, we have to say no to sin. We have to say yes to Jesus. The reason I know that this bottom line works is because Jesus had to say no to sin too, guys. Even though he was God's son, he was still tempted by Satan to sin just like we are. Except when Jesus was tempted, he didn't give in to sin. He said no to it, and then he replaced it with scripture. Again, our verse of the day, Matthew 4, 4, Jesus tells Satan no, and then he says the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus had just been baptized, and after his baptism, Jesus went for 40 days without eating. 40 days without eating. I can't imagine that. This is a special kind of fasting that Jesus did, and it's something that Christians still do today, guys, by choosing to give up something important to them, to rely closer on God and spend time with him. Now, for Jesus' fast, he gives up food. Well, guys and girls, since Jesus had given up eating, the devil or Satan decided to tempt or to put Jesus to the test. He did so by asking Jesus to turn these rocks that were in front of him into bread to eat for himself. Jesus could turn these rocks into bread because he is God's son. Can you all imagine this? I'm not Jesus, but if Satan told me to turn rocks into that bread, into that awesome sesame seed bun that I was craving, man, I would give into it. I know I would. Satan telling Jesus to make some bread would have been hard to resist because I bet you Jesus was hungry. 40 days without food. Jesus would have been pretty weak after not eating for that long. But Jesus knew what Satan was trying to do. If he gave in to and if he obeyed Satan's temptation to eat bread, he would be following Satan instead of God and therefore Jesus would have sinned. But did Jesus listen to Satan? He didn't, guys. He said no. He told him no with an exclamation point. And he responded to Satan with scripture saying that we do not live by bread or food alone, but on the word of God. This verse that Jesus quotes is from another part of the Bible in what we call the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus quoted scripture. My friends, we have to take the same approach that Jesus did when we face temptation. Jesus didn't just say no to Satan, but he also responded with the word of God. 
That means for us, like Jesus, we too need to know God's word. Again and again and again, we need to study the Bible, spend time with the Lord and pray for what we study, for what we read in God's word to be on our hearts and on our minds when we face temptation. Because guys, every time we say no to sin and we say yes to Jesus, we are choosing a God that is far more wonderful more beautiful, more satisfying than anything Satan will have to offer us with sin. The Bible says this, we need to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is admirable. We need to think about an awesome God who is worthy of all of our praise. Say no to sin, guys. Say yes to Jesus. Will you close with me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so, so very much, Lord, for this impact moment and for this time. And just to look at your example, Jesus, to look at your example that you have set before us to overcome temptation, to overcome sin. We can do it because you did it first, Lord. Help us not to just say no, but to say yes to you, to say yes to your word, God. Bring us closer and closer. Help us to study and to spend time with a God that loves us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. I love you all. Let's give God the praise that he so richly and rightfully deserve. I want to thank uh, Reverend C for that wonderful word. And as we move forward in our worship experience, we have... Uh, a young person that we have baptized into the family of God. And I'm going to ask that journey, uh, would you come? I want to give you something. I have a wonderful gift for you. Amen. You were absolutely great. Amen. 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 How are you doing today? Good, good. So, Journey, what I want to present to you this morning is a a certificate of baptism and your own Bible. This is your own Bible. So this is your certificate. Have your uh, parents to uh, either put it on your wall or have it framed. And this is your own Bible. You see how colorful it is? And if, if you have problems reading some of the words in the Bible, get your parents or either one day when we're able to come back in church Get one of uh, the people here at church to help you with this, but this is your own Bible. This is to celebrate this wonderful day and to help you to remember the day that you were baptized. And guess what? You don't ever have to do this again. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to give you this Bible, and I want you to look at the screen, and you're getting ready to have a whole lot of folks clap for you. Amen. Amen. And congratulate you. Amen. So you may return to your seat at this time. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for Journey. Amen. Amen. What a blessed opportunity it is to see the family of God continue to grow. I want to thank our chair, Sister Dot Barnes, for assisting me as far as baptism is concerned. Thank you all so very, very much. As we move forward, as far as this worship experience is concerned, today is Divine Nine and Black Organization Sunday. And, of course, I see many of you all that are on our virtual church as far as Zoom is concerned, as well as perhaps those who are watching us through our different social media platforms. We hope 
and pray that the Lord is blessing you on this marvelous and this glorious day. It is just absolutely beautiful outside, and we thank God for the wonderful opportunity to worship. Just want to let you all know that the work that you all continue to sow into here at St. Paul is a blessing to our community. We served 207 families this past weekend. And so we want to continue to thank our food pantry ministry for the wonderful job that they are doing and for your generosity. Thank you so very, very much. Also want to um, thank our um, Christian education ministry as well as our deacon ministry uh, for yesterday as far as your Sunday school uh, book pickup and your communion pickup. So thank you for all of those who helped to make that a work of reality. This Wednesday, this Wednesday at 7 o'clock, we have Kaya, and this is the relationship edition, and it's going to be spearheaded by um, two of our leaders of our marriage ministry, Asia and Shantez Davis. They're going to serve as our host, and I'm looking forward to what they're going to do as far as Kaya is concerned. You want to join at 7 o'clock on this uh, Wednesday. Also, just want to let you all know that our media ministry needs your help. We're looking for people who are interested in working with the current with the media ministry on Sunday morning and for our special worship services. Uh, we need people who are interested in operating our cameras, our worship service graphics, as well as serving as technical director. If you're interested, you can contact Sister Camise Noel at Camise C A M E S E dot N O E L at Yahoo dot Come and she will let you know uh, how you can bless us as far as that is concerned. Also, just want to remind you, we are doing Bible study, studying um, Peter's book as far as First Peter, and we invite you to join us at noon or at 7 on Thursday as far as our various communication platforms are concerned want to also just remind you that we are doing Sunday morning live. That is our uh, Sunday school classes are growing each week. We invite you to invite others to join us. And uh, our adult classes meet before worship. Our children and youth are at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And so we want to remind you of that. Just also as we move forward, we have small groups here at St. Paul. They're going to be studying over the next several weeks what is called Easter Realities. And that's the next name of our next small group series. This five-session group study will help you to prepare for the most important event in the uh, Christian calendar, that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So together we can build our community within a community as we deepen our faith. You can go to our church website and click the iConnect banner to register. Sign up at www.stpaul.church slash I connect, or you can contact our uh, Christian education minister, Reverend Brenda Richardson. So we have a lot of things that we continue to move forward as far as the work here at St. Paul. And of course, we thank you all for all that you're doing. I want to also just um, highlight the fact that in March, in March, we're going to have what we call our Virtual Spring Revival, March Gladness, uh, Tuesday, March 16th, Wednesday, March 17th, Thursday, March 18th. And we ask that you join us each night, invite family and friends. We got some of this country's gifted preachers that will be joining us Tuesday night, the Reverend Charles Gibbs, uh, Goodman Matter, 
from uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, the Reverend Dr. Gina Stewart from Christ Missionary Baptist Church in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and the Reverend Dr. Maurice Watson, the pastor of Metropolitan Baptist Church in Largo, Maryland. We invite you to join us each night uh, for our March Gladness Revival, and I guarantee you will be blessed. Amen. You will be blessed. At this time, we're going to ask that you will prepare for prayer. And as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, we want to lift up our uh, guitar player, um, Brother Oscar uh, Walker, who lost his mother, uh, Johnny Mae Cunningham. And I believe that he will be making his way to funeralize her uh, this week. We want to flank him with our prayers. We lift up the family of Sister Disciple Charlene Anderson. Uh, her arrangements are pending. The family of Brother Jimmy Harrison, the brother of Sister Disciple Deborah Harrison, his arrangements are pending as well. And we want to also continue to lift up the family of Sister Alicia Cochran, the daughter of Disciple Deborah Allen, Debbie Allen, the family of Brother Julius Collins, the father of Sister Disciple Angela Collins Lewis and the family of Reverend Donald A. Brown. He is the brother of Disciple Dennis Brown. And the family of Brother Apollos McCory. He is the son of Disciple Frankie McCory. We continue to lift up those that are in the hospital. Ernestine Johnson, uh, Lula McCullough, uh, Tremisha Wilson, Ronald Watson. And I ask that we continue to lift up our pastor, Emeritus, uh, the Reverend Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, uh, Sister Thomasina Drummond, we want to continue to lift them up in prayer. We believe that God not only hear our prayers, but God answers our prayers. And I'm going to ask that Reverend Kelly Baptist will take us to the throne of grace. Amen. Our Father and our God, we come before you in community, God. We thank you that no matter where we are, as long as we are connected to you through Christ, we are never alone. God, we thank you that you have united us at one so that we could support each other. You said if we called on your name that you would answer us, oh God. And sometimes you answer us through the family, God. We pray for those who are dealing with illness, God, who are yet in the hospitals, who are yet suffering even through our global pandemic, God. We lift up those who are dealing with bereavement, even our own brother Oscar, God. We know that you are a healer. You are a keeper. You are our sustainer, God. You are our comforter and our keeper, God. You have been faithful in the past and you are not done yet, God. So we just lift up our family who's dealing with so much, God, knowing that your hands can reach them where ours cannot. Your arms can stretch around them in comfort, in peace, and in strength, God. We thank you in the name of Jesus that you have brought us safe thus far, God. Years and years and years in this Black History Month, God, we celebrate you that no matter what we've gone through, you have made sure that we prospered, that we grew, God, that we invented, Lord God, that we grew in knowledge and even in wisdom of you, God. We thank you that you have been so faithful and true and kind, God. We know your word. We know your promises. We've been received by your son, God, and we will walk how you lead us. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will continue, Lord God, to cover us even as we are stretched out everywhere across this country. God, you know what we're dealing with, God. There are those who are struggling, God, in their solitariness, God. There are those who are struggling in a thousand different 
different ways whose minds are unruly after a year, God. But you can keep our minds in perfect peace as we keep them stayed on you. God, we thank you for being consistently true to your word, God, so that we always have something to stand on. We thank you that you've got a track record, God. You've got a track record, God, of coming through and never leaving us nor forsaking us. God, we bless your name for your faithfulness. We bless your name for your faithfulness, oh God. And we stand strong knowing that you who have begun a good work in us, in each and every one of us, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God, we believe you. We trust you. We know you full well, God. And you know us. We thank you for forgiving our sins, God. For washing us clean in the blood of Jesus for being our father, our savior, and our friend. God, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we love you. And that's why we worship you. We praise you and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, we all pray and we say together, amen, 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 and amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Baptist. And Let's give God praise if we believe that that prayer is being answered even now. Even now, that prayer is being answered. And as we thank God for God answering our prayer, I want to, at this time, uh, ask that you would make preparations as far as partnering with our God through your giving. It is through giving that we become most like the divine, like our Heavenly Father. And so as we prepare to give right now, here at St. Paul, there are three ways in which you can give. The first one is by either uh, mailing your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205. Or you can bring check, money order, or cash to the church. And if you bring it to the church, call the church first to make sure that someone is here to receive your offering. We will place it in the safe and then, of course, have it counted the following Sunday. The second way you can give is through uh, our website, and you can follow the giving prompts through ACS of Church Life, and you can give as far as that moment is concerned. The third way you can give is through the app called GiveLify, and you can download that app to your smart device connected to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give as far as um, GiveLify is concerned. So wherever you are right now, wherever you are right now, if you would, take your offering, and if you would, place it in your right hand and lift it to the heavens as we give God what's right, not what's left. Amen. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you right now for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you and to demonstrate our generosity as far as giving is concerned. God, we thank you that you've allowed for us to glean from your creation to be able to have something to give. And so, God, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray that you will take these gifts of ours and that you will bless them in such a magnificent and such a Godful way until we know it's nobody but you and allow for our generosity to be multiplied so that we can continue to partner with you as far as helping your hurting world, your broken creation that we've messed up. So, God, in the name of Jesus, do what you do best, and that is be God even in this moment. And we will bless your name for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would, go ahead and give, and our adult ensemble is going to bless us with the Simonic Selection.
that is in me than he that is in the world. anybody else, but I am definitely encouraged after hearing that song. Let's give God praise. Amen for our adult ensemble and how they have blessed us with their wonderful gift of, of song. That is one of my, my favorite songs, and uh, it has definitely blessed me uh, this morning. Thank you, Scott, as well as those who um, sing in this wonderful ensemble and play with him. Uh, as far as our music ministry is concerned. I want to, for the time that is mine, to call your attention to Jeremiah chapter 38. Jeremiah chapter 38. I want to look at verses 1 through 13. And we solicit your prayers as far as this time is concerned. Uh, Jeremiah 38 verses 1 through 13. And we'll find these words printed. Now Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gadaliah, the son of Pasher, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pasher, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah has spoken to all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord. He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. Uh, but he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a prize to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given to the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore, the princes said to the king, please let this man, they're talking about Jeremiah, be put to death. For thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in this city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. Then Zedekiah, the king said, look, he is in your hand. For the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon, there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. Now, Ebimelech, a black man, Ebimelech, the Ethiopian, Abimelech the African, one of the eunuchs, who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. When the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin, Abimelech went out to the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil 
and all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. He is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Abimelech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from here 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So Abimelech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. Then Abimelech, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, Please put these old clothes and rags under your armpits under the ropes. Jeremiah did so. So they pulled Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. I want to preach for the time that is mine. Lessons from a pit. Lessons from a pit. It is amazing to me what happens when you're serious and sincere about carrying out the divine assignment that God has placed upon your life. You will find yourself in places and situations where you might experience isolation, doubt, fear, and frustration about the task to which God has called you. If you have never felt that way about some of the things that God has put on your plate, then you might not be doing what God will have for you to do because serving God and dealing with God folks will at times make you want to pull your hair off and go off on some folk. Being a servant of the most high God, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit can put you in a precarious predicament. It can lead you to some painful places It can even place you on the wrong side of the powers that be. When you're committed to the call that God has placed upon your life, it will cause you to go against the culture, whereby you have to engage in what I call counter-cultural activities that will displease humanity, but ultimately satisfy God. However, the problem with this notion is that there is something within us that wants to be appreciated, adored, and like. This innate drive within the human spirit causes us to drift toward people-pleasing and even pleasing ourselves rather than following the mandates, the ministry, and the mission from God. And that is just so that we can hear folks call our names, so we can hear folks give us applause, So we can receive the accolade from the crowd, but the crowd and other folks ultimately have no control over your life and over your purpose. This is why the role, responsibility, and respect of the prophet are so important. When you are called to speak truth to power, you place yourself in the firing line to be prosecuted and persecuted maligned and mistreated, troubled and terrified because people in power don't want to hear a word from the Lord 
unless there is something good, nice, or even a blessing connected to it. And if we're honest about being called a prophet back in the day of Jeremiah, there was nobody putting in an application to be a prophet. Prophets got killed. Prophets got talked about. Prophets got maligned. There was nobody back then telling God, sign me up because I want to be a prophet. Authentic truth will create tension and frustration for those who are on the wrong side of history and ultimately enemies of God because they fail to understand that when you rise up against a real prophet, you are assaulting God. And God will not allow for the essence of who God is to be attacked without God being vindicated in some shape, form, or fashion. However, the problem with all of this is that you might find yourself being inconvenient while God is working things out behind the scenes of eternity that's going to be for your good and for God's glory. Now, let's be honest. People don't like real prophets. I'm not talking about the prophets that tried to predict that Donald Trump was going to be reelected for another four years. I'm not talking about a prophet that's telling you you're going to get a new car or a new house or some more money or some other material possessions or a new man or a new woman. No, real prophets are not trying to predict what you're going to get. Real prophets are not asking you to stand in the $500 line and sow a seed and in 30 days God's going to heal your body. A, a real prophet is not trying to steal or profit from the people of God by lying to them just to get some money. A real prophet speaks to the issues of justice, righteousness, equality, and fairness and provides a divine critique that God is sick and tired of disobedient people, idolatrous lifestyles, syncretized spirituality, and power-hungry people. In other words, God is tired of the rich oppressing the poor. God is tired of the elite having a snobbery attitude toward those who don't have as much. God is tired of the powerful stepping on the disenfranchised. God knows I believe that God is tired of looking at what has been happening to the homeless here in Charlotte in Tent City. Prophets are not social activists or political agents, but men and women who can give you an alternative future to the one that politicians, business people, religious leaders want to project as only the thinkable one. Walter Brueggemann, in his book, The Prophetic Imagination, says that there is a prophetic consciousness and a royal consciousness. The deeply entrenched forces, political, social, economic, and religious, and I would dare say educational, of Israel represented the royal consciousness. The prophetic consciousness tells people that God has a different future from the one being projected by the ruling elite. But in today's society, the postmodern day prophet is in search of mega churches and faith based funding and personal comfort, political correctness, and promotes a ministry that places praise over speaking truth to power.
Therefore, when you're serious about doing what God will call you to do, you will discover some people are going to have issues with you. They will engage in these vain attempts to discredit you. They will try to take you out. However, you got to remember that if God be for you, God is more than the world against you. You will discover that sometimes the will of God may take you to places you don't want to go. You will find yourself in a precarious predicament. You will find yourself in a pitiful place where you might want to stop serving God. You might want to stop praising God. You might want to abandon your post all in the name of self-preservation. Let's be honest. Doing kingdom work will put you on the wrong side of the culture. The world does not have a problem with you coming to church. The world does not have a problem with you attending virtual church out of some sense of social obligation. The the world doesn't even have a problem with you attending virtual church just so that you can maintain respectability. The world does not have issues with you as long as you keep your stuff within the four walls and sing your songs and pray long prayers and engage in playing church rather than being the church. And I would dare say that that is part of my appreciation about Skip Gates as far as his documentary this past week on PBS that while he was not trying to give a comprehensive history of the black church, you got to understand that the black church is the prophetic corrective to Christianity that has been practiced in Western European society. And I would dare say that when you look at it overall, and I know that there are some people who had some issues with what was not put in and what was left out and all that, and I don't get caught up in that. I'm just appreciative of the fact that we got to understand that, that the black church came into existence because white folks did not want us to worship with them, and the black church continues to remain in existence to be a prophetic critique to what is going on in the culture. Please, ma'am, please, sir, understand that there was no such thing as the black church until the advent of slavery came into being. And when the advent of slavery came into being, coupled with racial constructs, the black church is born out of a sense of illegitimacy to correct What white folks have been perpetuating, that is a false Christianity that has nothing to do with that brown man from Nazareth. And so when we look at what God is doing as far as the black church is concerned, I've discovered that most people now, even in today's culture, don't want to hear about the critique of our country. They don't want to hear about the critique of materialism. They don't want to hear about the critique of idolatry. And they certainly don't want to hear about the critique of your former president. I've discovered that most people don't want to hear any preaching disconnected 
from how you're going to get a breakthrough, how you're going to get a miracle, how you're going to get a healing, how you're going to get some other tangible possession. Some, they don't want to hear a preacher that's disconnected from how you're going to make your marriage better, how you're going to improve self-esteem, how you're going to get a new job, a new car, a new, car, new house, new boo, new bay. You want a Joel Osteen gospel that does not deal with the sins of a nation. You want a Joel Osteen gospel that does not deal with racism and sexism and classism. You want to have your favor and eat it too. But when you challenge the status quo, that's when you get in trouble. And I believe I'm getting in some trouble right now. I believe that I could probably have a whole lot more folks on our virtual platforms if I massage your ego. I believe that I could have a whole lot more folks on the virtual platform if I was telling you how you could get a million dollars and what to do to keep your marriage healthy without critiquing the craziness of your existence. But trust me, when you're serious about doing the will of God, you might one day find yourself in a pit. And I'm here to let you know, pits ain't fun. Uh, There is nothing nice about being in a pit. If you don't believe me, ask Martin Luther King, who was arrested in Birmingham for 11 days because he was marching against segregation. And out of his arrest came the famous letter from a Birmingham jail. If you don't believe me, ask Nelson Mandela, who was in prison for 26 years on Robbins Island fighting against apartheid in South Africa. If you don't believe me, ask Bishop Desmond Tutu, who was jailed because he spoke truth to power in South Africa and the United States of America. If you don't believe me, ask our sister Rosa Parks, who was arrested because she sat down so we can stand up. If you don't believe me, ask Obama, who was in a political pit because of two wars that he did not start, a multi-trillion deficit that he did not create, a weak economy that he did not make, and a mean-spirited Republican political agenda that was more concerned about trying to make him a one-term president rather than solving this nation's problems. If you don't believe me, ask black folks in America who are in a racial pit dealing with systemic racism, white supremacy, and police brutality. If you don't believe me, ask Vice President Kamala Harris, who's in a sexist pit as a black woman being demeaned and called a Jezebel by white conservative male preachers. If you don't believe me, ask uh, that black man from Nazareth by the name of Jesus, who was in a pit on a hill called Calvary. The more things change, the more they remain the same. I would dare say that this cliche fits the text because the same things that Jeremiah was dealing with then are the same things we are facing in this country now. Doom was on the horizon for Judah as the Babylonian Empire was waiting for the right time to take them captive. Zedekiah is on the throne, but he is a puppet king. He had a title, but he had no power. The social conditions faced Jeremiah called for courageous action. On every side, he had the problem. He had a problem of class. He had a problem of economics. He had a problem of ethnicity. The rich were powerful, evil, and oblivious to the needs of the poor. They were only interested in what would bring them gain. The poor were made slaves. Family life was deplorable. 
robbery, murder, lying, and selfishness characterized the landscape of the culture. Jeremiah gave a prophetic critique that it would be best for Judah to surrender to the Babylonians to spare the inhabitants from being killed. Jeremiah warns them that if they tried to fight, that they would certainly die. That if they stayed where they were, where they were because of starvation or disease, they would die. Four brothers did not like this word from Jeremiah. So they go to the puppet king by the name of Trump, I mean Zedekiah, and, and, and told him that Jeremiah was discouraging the war effort against the Babylonians. They suggested we should kill Jeremiah. Zedekiah gives in. These four men had Jeremiah placed in a cistern, in a dungeon, in a pit. He was lowered into the pit by ropes. And in that pit, there was no water. In that pit, there was no bread. And Jeremiah, the moment he landed in the pit, started sinking in the mire like quicksand. An Ethiopian, a black man by the name of Ebemelech, petitions Zedekiah about the treatment of the prophet of God. Zedekiah, according to the text, tells him to take 30 men and get Jeremiah out that pit. So, so he takes 30 men from uh, the court of the king and go down to the pit to get Jeremiah out. I, I, I don't know, according to the text, how long he was in the pit. I, I, I don't know what time he got in the pit. I, I don't know what time he got out of the pit. But I do know that he was destined, according to those four men, to die in the pit. But somehow God reversed his fortune. And I believe that Jeremiah learned some powerful lessons while he was in the pit. And I believe that the lessons that Jeremiah learned while he was in his pit can be applied to us when we go through what I call pit situations. So what are the lessons that Jeremiah learned that we can apply to our reality in today's time and culture? I would suggest that the first lesson is don't deny the reality of your pit. Jeremiah was not thrown into some figment of his imagination. He was thrown into a real pit. This was a pit dug out of limestone rock and had a narrow neck that was about four feet across. In other words, it was an old well. Jeremiah is let down into the pit by ropes. There's no water in the pit but mire. Mire is nothing but sludge that you find in a swamp that begins to act like quicksand. And the Bible says that the moment Jeremiah landed in the mire, he began to sink. His accuser's intention was for him to die in the pit by sinking to death. Now, this is something that Jeremiah could not pray away. Part of surviving the pit is that you got to acknowledge you're in the pit. There's this principle called the Stockdale Paradox. Jim Collins, in his book entitled Good to Great, talks about the Stockdale Paradox, named after Admiral John Stockdale. Stockdale was a captive as a POW in the Vietnam War, and he was held captive for eight years. He was tortured more than 20 times. 
He did not have much reason to believe that he would survive the prison camp. But Stockdale told Jim Collins that he never lost faith during his ordeal. He said, I never doubted not only that I would get out, but I will also prevail in the end and turn the experience into a defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. Stockdale noted that it was the most optimistic who failed to make it out alive because they died of a broken heart. They failed to confront the reality of their situation. But the Stockdale paradox is this. You got to keep your faith that you will prevail in the end, regardless of the difficulties and at the same time, you must confront the most brutal fact of your current reality, regardless of what it may be. Here it is. Jeremiah had to admit he's in a pit. That's his reality. But the pit did not stop him from his assignment. That's the paradox. He's in a pit, but he did not stop prophesying. The power of Jeremiah was not located where he was, but the power of Jeremiah was the word he had in his mouth. He had the word of God in his mouth, but he did not deny the fact that he was in a pit. We, 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 we have these new age Christians who want to try to deny their crazy circumstances. There are folks who are so heavenly minded until they're no earthly good. You went to the doctor the other day, the other day and you were diagnosed with cancer. You, 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 you got to have surgery on your heart. You contracted COVID. You, you got family matters. You got marriage mess ups. Your children are acting crazy. Your parents have gone off on their rockers. You have lost your job. Uh, uh, racism is still real. Police brutality happens more prevalently among black folks than any other race. You, you got to admit you're in a pit. Our kids are struggling with virtual learning in the United States. The life expectancy uh, has dropped a full year for the first time in decades. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I am tired of dealing with the effects from the previous presidential administration. We are in a pit. Don't deny your pit. But don't give your pit power over your purpose. Preach Robert Charles Scott. You got to realize that the God you serve that the God you worship, that the God you praise, that the God you pray to is also the God of your pit. Real faith does not deny your problem, but real faith will give you strength to deal with your problem head on. I want to suggest that the only reason that most black folks in America practice some form of Christianity is because of our faith in a God who has been our help 
in ages past and our hope for years to come. The only reason that we practice Christianity in some shape, form, or fashion in this country is because we have made a connection to the Israelites who were caught up in the Exodus and when Moses went and told Pharaoh, let my people go. We have a liberation motif that allows for us to identify with Israel and we understand that if God could do it for them, then God God can do it for us. Real faith does not deny your problem, but real faith will give you power to press on when you feel like giving up. To whom am I talking to right now? Is there anybody that is watching me on YouTube, Facebook Live, in the congregation, on the Zoom virtual congregation, that know, had it not been for your faith, you would have lost your mind a long time ago. You did not deny the hell you were going through. You did not deny the sickness you were dealing with. You did not deny the suffering you had to endure. But you realize, had you not had your faith, you would have lost your mind a long time ago. But you can give God praise because your faith kicked in. And you were able to trust God even when you could not trace God. There's another lesson I'm able to extract from the pit. And here it is. That lesson is... uh, that there are people who will act out of character that will cause you to be in a pit. Let, let, me, let, me, let me help you understand what I just dropped on you. The reason that some of us wind up in a pit is because we come across people in our lives, in our situations, who act out of character and causes us to be placed in a pit. Where is that in the text? Let me show you. It's these four. Watch this. Shephatia. Do you know what his name means? His name means God is judge. Gedaliah. His name means God is great. Jukal. His name means that God is able. Pasher. His name means freedom. This gang of four did not like the prophetic word that Jeremiah had been dropping. They wanted a prophecy of victory, not defeat. They wanted a word of peace, not war. They rejected the prophetic imagination of God being uttered by Jeremiah, and they wanted to kill the messenger because he was not giving them blessings. Jeremiah was telling them that the people had to surrender to the Babylonians if they were going to remain alive. This is a message, a word of judgment, but they did not want to hear it. And we got to understand that there are times when God's word of judgment is also God's word of grace into our reality. They they could have life if they surrender. They, They could remain alive if they go on and just say, here, our hands up, we give in. But if they tried to fight, they would die from starvation and from war itself. May I suggest, it's real quiet in this sanctuary, that this is what happens to us as far as when you reject the word of God. If you accept God's word, you can live. But when you reject God's word, you will die. You will not be able to experience the abundant life that God has for you because God can be with you 
even as you are going in an exile situation. I want to suggest that God does not abandon us in captive situations. God steadies us when we got to go through hell because when God brings us out on the other side, God wants us to know that the only way you've been able to survive is because I stay with you when everybody else abandoned you. Notice who got Jeremiah in his pit. Shephatiah, God is judge. Gadaliah, God is great. Jukal, God is able. Pashar, freedom. Listen, here is what I'm trying to drive home with this move. Those four men were acting totally out of character for which they were named. If God is judge, if God is great, if God is able, and if there is freedom, Jeremiah's name means God has appointed. Then why would they have Jeremiah, who is God's appointed, put in a pit when their character and their reputation should be in line and congruent to what Jeremiah is doing? Uh, this is because they had the name of God, but they did not have the spirit of God. They were too concerned about maintaining the status quo rather than making the necessary shift to save their lives and the lives of others. When you act out of character, you're more focused on yourself than being a responsible citizen of the community at large. When you act out of character, you become more selfish than rather embracing what the community needs. Some of us are in pits right now because we've been dealing with people who are acting out of character. And instead of you avoiding them and putting them in the hands of the Lord, you have reached the erroneous conclusion you can change them. If you love them enough, if you give them some more money, if you buy them clothes, if you educate them, if you spend time with them. But every time you deposit your life into theirs, they don't want to hear the words of truth. You have to tell them. So you're wasting your time while they're getting on your reserve nerve. But the reason they get on your nerves is because they are acting out of character. They're not behaving the way that God intends for them to behave. That when you think about people who are engaging in violent behavior, acting out of character. When you have church folks who think it's more about them, acting out of character. When you see someone strung out on drugs, acting out of character. When you see someone caught up in alcoholism, acting out of character. When you see someone struggling with pornography, acting out of character. When you see someone caught up in materialism, acting out of character. Now that you have that degree, you think you're better than everybody else, acting out of character. Now that you got a new job, nobody can tell you anything, acting out of character. You, you better learn how to deal with people when they try to act 
all brand new because there are people in your reality, people in your spaces, people in your places that if you're not careful, they will cause you to be placed in a pit, a pit of depression, a pit of codependency, a pit of financial need. They will cause you to be placed in a pit. Let me go ahead and wrap this thing up because the last lesson I want to drop on you is you never know who God will send to help you get out of your pit. That's, that's the shout for me. This, this is something I want you to understand. You and I cannot get out of our pit by ourselves. You didn't get in the pit by yourself. You ain't going to get out of the pit by yourself. A black man by the name of Abimelech heard what happened to Jeremiah. This African, this Ethiopian by the name of Abimelech secured Zedekiah's permission to rescue Jeremiah from the pit because Jeremiah was supposed to die in the pit. Abimelech observed these things about Jeremiah. First of all, this gang of four had done Jeremiah wrong. You never know who's watching what's happening to you that God is going to send to your rescue. Secondly, he realized he was thrown into this pit. And finally, he knew that Jeremiah would die from hunger because there is no bread in the land. So check this out. This brother, this black man from Ethiopia becomes a beacon of justice and righteousness. Uh, I don't think Jeremiah would have expected some run from the king's court. The one that Jeremiah had upset to come to his rescue. You got to understand that Abimelech was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. Abimelech was a foreigner. Abimelech was an alien to Judah. But Abimelech named it servant of the king. That's not much of a name, even if it was not his proper name. It shows that he has no identity in and of himself. He is connected to Zedekiah. He, he is being defined within the context of his slave owner. And, and he doesn't count for much. But not only was Abimelech connected to Zedekiah, but he's also a eunuch. A eunuch is a castrated male. But he confronts the king. Not in private. He confronts, confronts the king in public. He found the guts to bring this attention, this matter to the king and do something about it. Abimelech, with his castrated self, was more of a man than the others who watched Jeremiah suffer and wanted him dead. Abimelech was more of a man because he confronted the systemic evil that was present at his time. Abimelech's manhood, Abimelech's maleness, Abimelech's essence was not defined by his genitalia, but it was defined by his spirit. He was not afraid to take on the gang of four. Zedekiah told Abimelech, listen, take 30 men with you to go and rescue Jeremiah. Abimelech rummaged through the lost and found at the palace, got some old t-shirts, 
got some old towels, went down to the cistern, went down to the pit, and told Jeremiah, put these old rags, put these worn-out clothes under your arms to pad the ropes. I don't want you to get rope burned from the ropes, but put these old rags and these worn-out clothes under your arms and then put the ropes under those old rags and old clothes. In other words, they mistreated you when they let you down. They mistreated you when they put you in this pit. Uh, But I'm going to treat you right as I bring you out. I'm going to show compassion as I deliver you from this pit. They wanted to see you dead, but I want to see you alive. So uh, Jeremiah put these up. Oh, closed. And these worn-out rags under your armpits and around the ropes. Uh, Here's something I want you to think about. Don't disregard the old things when God transitions you from your pit of despair to your palace of purpose. There are some old things you need to embrace as God prepares to deliver you to your destiny. Uh, I contend, Reverend Baptist, that the old clothes and the old rags represent comfort, compassion, and support as Jeremiah transitioned to being delivered. And when you get out of your pit, I want you to know that you and I got some old clothes, that you and I got some old rags, that we need to put underneath our arms uh, so that the ropes will not cut us. I stop by as I prepare to close this sermon uh, to let you all know that when I think about what God can do for us in our pitiful situations, you and I got some old rags. You and I got some old clothes that we can place underneath the ropes as God prepares to deliver us. That's why I got to quote what the psalmist said in Psalms 40. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry and he brought me out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He put a new song in my mouth. Uh, Praise to our God. Uh, Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Uh, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I stop by to let you know that I got some old rags. I got some old clothes. Uh, That is the Lord that delivered me out of my pit. Uh, that is the Lord delivered you out of your pit. Uh, you need to learn uh, how to place uh, underneath your arms. Um, and if you don't believe me, uh, can I give you an old rag? Uh, yes, uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, when the wicked, even my enemies, uh, 
and my foes came upon me. They stumbled and they fell. Though a whole shit encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing that I desire of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in the secret of his tabernacle he shall hide me he shall set my foot upon a rock I got another old rag the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake yeah though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil but thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they shall comfort me thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over surely I said surely surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever can I give you another old rag be not dismayed whatever betides God will take care of you beneath his wings of love abide God will take care of you can I give you another old rag precious Lord
I'm closing, y'all. Uh, may the Lord bless you real good. Uh, but is there anybody uh, that's ready to get out of your pit? Uh, get out of the pit of depression. Uh, get out of the pit of drug addiction. Uh, get out of the pit of alcoholism. Uh, get out of the pit of racism. Uh, get out of the pit of a bad marriage. Uh, get out of the pit of police brutality. Get out of the pit of apathy. Uh, get out of the pit of laziness. Uh, get out of the pit of complaining. Uh, Come out of your pit. Give God a praise. Cause had it not been for the Lord on your side, you'll still be stuck. But do I have anybody in the house right now that ain't afraid to testify? You've been in a pit, but it was nobody but God that brought you out. If you know the Lord brought you out, don't be afraid to give him praise. If you know it was the Lord that delivered you, don't be afraid to bless his name. If you know the Lord kept you, don't be afraid to glorify him. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? I said, is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Say yes. Good God Almighty. I feel good, y'all. Say yes. Say yes. 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 Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Say yes. Yes. If you're in a pit right now, I'm here to let you know that God is ready to bring you out of your pit. Listen, here, 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 here is here is a prophetic word for you right now. Here's your prophetic word. You want a prophecy? Here it is. You, you want a prophecy? Here it is. The prophetic word that I am to give you right now is that God does not want you to die in your pit. <laughs> God does not want you to die in your pit. And since God does not want you to die in your pit, help is on the way. When folks act out of character, your help can come from some unexpected places. I want to suggest that for you who may be listening to me who do not know Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sin, your help is coming from an unexpected place. Yeah, his name is Jesus. You thought you were going to get it from your education or from your fraternity or sorority or from your political or business connections. Or from your family. Nope. This help comes from the Lord. That's why the psalmist says, I'll lift my eyes unto the hills. 
from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. Here's what I want to impress upon you right now. If you are watching me at this moment, I want you to know you can get out of the pit. The pit right now is the pit of unforgiveness, the pit of being separated from God. Jesus is standing to lower you some help and to lift you out of your pit. And I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer of a new life, a prayer of a brand new start. And, and if this prayer applies to you, I want you to know that right now, you can have salvation. But Pastor, we ain't in a church. <laughs> salvation is not relegated to this place. You can get saved and you ain't got to be in the church. So let me lead you in this prayer. Prayer of a new life, prayer of a brand new start. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you right now that you would touch somebody, <laughs> that you would heal somebody, that you would deliver somebody out of their pit. And God, as I prepare to lead them in a prayer of new life, prayer of salvation, that you will seal it with the confirmation of your Holy Spirit. And so at this time, I'm going to ask whoever is watching, if you would repeat after me, God, I need you in my life. I'm in a pit and I want to get out. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to give my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer, you're sincere about that prayer, salvation is yours. Is it really? Is it that easy? Yes, it is. Salvation is yours. You believe it in your head and heart, your mind and your spirit. Salvation is yours right now, right now. And so I want you to hear me and hear me well. If you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer, I want you to do me a favor. You can contact us here at the church. You can click on as far as our social media is concerned right now. You can make connection with us. And let me tell you how you can do that. If you're watching us, you prayed that prayer, that means you want to be baptized. You can type salvation in the chat box. When our digital ministers will get in touch with you. If you're watching us on Facebook or on the website, type in salvation. They're going to get in touch with you, let you know what the next steps are, and we'll set up a date to baptize you. If you are watching us on YouTube, email at connect at spbc.org, and someone by 5 o'clock tomorrow will reach out to you to let you know what next steps are. If you're on the phone, call us at the church, 704-334-5309. Leave your name and number. Or email us at connect at spbcnc.org, and you can connect with us as far as that's concerned. 
There may be someone watching me right now saying, listen, Pastor, I'm already saved. I've been baptized. But you may want to connect with the tribe here at St. Paul. Well, guess what? Do me this favor. If you're on Facebook, if you're on our website, if you're watching us YouTube, just type in connect. When our digital ministers will reach out to you, let you know what the next steps are. Or you can email us or call us here at the church at the information that has been presented. And someone by 5 o'clock tomorrow will connect with you. Amen. As we prepare to leave from this place, as we prepare to leave from this place, I want you to continue to do the things that we need to do. If you want to get back in the church, if we want to open back up, we need to get vaccinated. We need to get vaccinated. However, until then, you need to wear your mask. You need to practice social distancing. You need to continue to wash your hands and sanitize your hands um, until we're able to achieve some sense of herd immunity and come back. God knows I miss you all immensely, but we're one day closer to coming back in. When that's going to be, I don't know. Continue to pray for us and with us, but also understand that the work of ministry, the Lord's work, continue to go forth, even though we're not worshiping together in this space on Sunday morning. So continue to pray for us, and I continue to pray for you all. Let's close out, uh, bow our heads and close our eyes as we prepare to have our benediction. God, we thank you for this worship experience. We thank you for the baptism of journey. We thank you for what you've done in this place. Now, God, dismiss us from this moment, but never from your presence. Keep us in your sovereign care. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. To all wise, God, be glory and dominion, majesty and power, both now and forever. And the people of God say amen. Listen, God. I love you. God loves you even more. Stay safe. We look forward to seeing you this week on one of our virtual platforms.